There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom, episode 40, continuing our pocket-by-pocket pocket ADP analysis, heading ADP 250 to 300, where, yes, as you expect, things are getting murky. Things are getting a little different compared to the earlier episodes, but, hey, you know, Ryan and I are in on DC right now, and, um, yeah, it's murky. That's that's a nice way to put it. Before we get into all the fun of the ADPs and more, you can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host is always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan, how we doing, my friend? I'm ready to roll tonight, man. We I, I did all the all the fatherly duties with with the kids this evening. Got the lunches packed. Got the little Valentine's cards written out for each of their little classmates at daycare, and I've earned all the dad points, and I'm ready to podcast. So I'm yes, doing great. Indeed. Good. Good to hear. Yes, you did all the dad things, checked all the boxes. I barely got mine to bed before this started. That was fun. <laughs> like you had the you had the making lunches and doing valid. I would have traded you in two seconds compared to a screaming I, child that did not want to go to bed. Yeah. That was just what especially as anyway with a kid and Ryan knew immediately like when they're really not screaming and like ang- they're just playing with you because they don't want to go to bed. That's the worst. That's the single worst thing because you know they're just being full of it. So yeah, that was fun for about twenty five minutes I, tonight. I, yeah, Sa- sandwiches, chips, fruit. Much better. They, it, it doesn't. They don't cry at you. And yeah, much much better, much better. So, but we're here. We're with you on a Thursday night. Hope you guys enjoyed the Sunday night episode that came at you. Hint, hint. There will be a Sunday post Super Bowl show this week. Yes, with a guest doing some fun stuff. So just throwing it out there to you. It's coming. So. uh it's going to be a fun, fun um, Sunday night, but we have Thursday for you. We'll kind of tease Sunday some more. and There will be tweets about it, but uh, it's going to be a thing. And it's going to be awesome. It's the best way I can put it. And, um, put your kids to bed before you tune in. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> it's going to be wild. We're, we're, <laughs> we're diving into baseball season, and, and it could be carnage. But It it's could be, be carnage fun. between the waste management and the Super Bowl and our – wonderful uh time and fun of the day it's going to be a good one but um let's get into it's been fun actually there's been a lot of recent news lately but you told me in via text and it's very true pitchers and catchers report next week so floods of news will be coming in yep. and then you have wbc stuff that's going to screw all the spring training up 
So that's going to be fun as well. But the biggest news is Aaron Ashby is going to be, I wouldn't say shut down is the word, but going to get a late start to spring training because of shoulder fatigue, kind of what sounds like uh, Zach Wheeler had last year. But that's probably the best case scenario. It, we've seen other scenarios where it doesn't turn out so well. So what's your thoughts on this one? Because they are already slow playing his innings anyways. This is a great way to slow play his innings. But it makes it tough to push that draft button right now with that uncertainty on the board. Yeah, and I think I think now we know why Milwaukee signed uh, Wade Miley yep. <laughs> a few weeks ago. Um, actually, there, I forget where I saw it on Twitter, but there was actually a clip video clip at I think it was like the Brewers Fan Fest or, or something where they interviewed Ashby and he kind of alluded to this uh, a little while ago. So um, it's a huge bummer. Ashby, we've talked about him on the show, was was one of those like super high ceiling starters that we maybe a week or two ago we talked about. Um, it's funny you bring up the Zach Wheeler thing, Bubba, and I've talked, we've talked about this, we've t- same with like Luis Castillo. Is it something where Ashby is, and there's a difference, is he currently hurt is his shoulder currently messed up or is he just delayed i think there's a difference there last year zach wheeler luis castillo were delayed um castillo missed the first month wheeler really didn't miss much time um a week or two and both of those guys had great seasons so i'm not totally it's funny like the first like any like we're all just itching for news right now like Mm -hmm. it's it's the calm before the storm of pitchers and catchers next week and i think we you know everyone's over everyone's reacting i shouldn't say overreacting everyone's reacting to this first bit of news i'm keeping ashby on my radar especially like if 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 labor uh, labor mixed draft which um is going to be february 21st i've got the sixth pick there they've got unlimited il slots um aaron ashby is absolutely still on my board in terms of a draft and even in leagues like even in nfbc leagues where you can fab like I don't know, a 28th, 29th round, Aaron Ashby, worst case you cut him and you move on. That's the kind of end gamer I like. So I'm still keeping track of Aaron Ashby. I want to get a little more info, whether this he's actively hurt or if he's just behind. Because if he's just behind, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a reason to, uh, to totally stay away. That's where I'm at. Like some people pointed to the injury last season that kind of slowed him down. Maybe this is a lingering effect, but then again, after the last injury, he came back and pitched. And so I was kind of like, well, we got that. So I'm trying to stay positive here. It is February 9th, as you mentioned. Um, When pitchers and catchers report, there's going to be more people than you'd expect that have shoulder fatigue or arm fatigue at some point, because that's just natural for being shut down and then ramping back up. And that's why they ramp up the way they do ahead of time and do this. Again, it could be worse than it is. Who knows? But to just throw it off the board, you know, could be a bad move. Could be a great move. We'll see. It's tough to tell at this point in time. I'm not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express. So I can't really help you with either one of those scenarios. Um, the, um, the one thing, like, there will be more Aaron Ashby's. There are guys, I, I talked about this a lot last year with the lockout. It's a little bit less accentuated like that. Like, yeah, pitchers and catchers report next week. That's all great. The the pessimistic side is we're going to get to find out who we've been drafting these last two months mm-hmm. <laughs> that are actually hurt and show up to camp yep. and are injured. Um, so just kind of brace yourselves for things like that. And really, um, it's we've all been, at least we, me, you, people have been who people who are drafting early, we've all been looking at similar rankings, simpler projections, similar ADP for the last few months. 
be aggressive in changing though. Like don't get too set in the ways on, on how these guys have been ranked the last two months. Cause a lot is going to change when the news really starts that when that, when that fire hose hits in this next yeah. week or two. Um, so don't, don't be, don't be afraid to, if someone's going to win a starting job or the manager says they're going to win a starting job, bump up that projection aggressively and not get so set in your pre pre draft season rankings. Yes, I 100% agree. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch it all go and watch Twitter explode if you have a blue check mark, apparently. So any, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, any any on forward. your gladiators, Bubba? Any uh, Aaron no, Ashby? Not Did that you? I'm aware of. Okay. I kind of stopped checking them after Trevor Story went out on all three of them. So, <laughs> But then we laugh now, but kind of what you're saying, there might be a lot of more Trevor Stories coming oh, yeah. up here in the next two weeks. So everyone that was, you know, I actually, yeah, having I don't... fun think your gladiator teams are they're they're like no. they're they're on life they're support. half they're half they could pull an undertaker yeah they yeah they could pull an undertaker, pull an undertaker. 100 it's, more. right now they're that meme with the monkey with the air in its nose but uh it could go full undertaker we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens um can i ask you i i told you i like to read your speculator column when i go have my lunch during the week can i ask you about one pitcher in there or is that against the rules because of the paywall? That you can is, say that no. Is, that is not against the rules. Go ahead. Okay. Because I, I did a screenshot to remind myself of it because there's a lot of great pitchers in this column. And I, I even tweeted it out like sarcastically to Ryan today about um, it's a great article. But I didn't know. It was more me asking you if you saw anything when you researched it. So you have the Shane McClanahan blurb mm-hmm. and you showed his pitch mix change. And we and you highlighted obviously the changeup change, which is amazing, one of the best changeups in baseball, which you talked about. But when I look at the pitch usage chart, he basically almost a twenty percent drop in his slider, but his slider still had such a great swinging strike and ground ball rate. I doubt it came out just looking at the numbers, like you were saying. But I'm just curious, why did he drop something that was so good? That's mm-hmm. like if he could combine that with the changeup and then maybe mix the curve and the four seam. Good God, what we'd have on our hands. Yeah. So what this article is actually, which one of my favorite ones to write it, it's, I made, I'm terrible at marketing. So I made up a terrible metric called change score. It's basically it's awesome, zero to a hundred. How much did a pitcher change their pitch mix from 2021 to 2022? If they overhauled everything, all new pitches, it's a hundred. They stayed the same. It's a zero. So basically I compared pitch usage from 21 to 22, took the guy and just ranked him. And so uh, McClanahan popped. He had a 50% change in his in his mix. And the thought being is like, and we, t- we talk about this with evaluating pitchers and you talk about it with Toby all the time, is like be quicker to react to, you know, if there is a breakout, uh, if there is a change in skill with a pitch mix change, tend to believe the more recent, you know, have that recency bias with pitchers. And so that's what McClanahan did. And yeah, it was the change up. It's a good point. I actually didn't even pick up on that, Bubba, in the article is yeah he has so mcclanahan threw that change up a ton 25 percent of the time in 2022 eight percent in 21 it's one of the best pitches in the game but he faded another one of the best pitches in that's the game my question like, I, that's right. like you, you, I you probably don't know the answer because we're not like in his locker room but if anybody like i might need to ask collect this one like i'm just curious why would it be lefty righty thing change up it, tend it, it to could be it could be, be something a little more effective as against the other hand yeah. so it could be something like that but um you're right maybe ditch 
yeah, we're giving yeah, pitch the fastball some more. The curveball, curveball only got eleven percent swinging strike. That's yeah. well below average for a curveball. McClanahan threw that twenty three percent of the time, so maybe more sliders, harder sliders instead of curves. Who knows? Um, yeah, they obviously have the reasons. I just that stood yeah. out to me when I saw that. I was like, because most guys that did the changes you pointed out, obviously they were kind of taking worse pitches and making better pitches, so on and so forth. Makes sense. Uh, so when I saw his like ditching such an elite pitch, I was like, what in the world? <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is weird. It's always, and and this is one of the points that I made in the article is a pitch mix change isn't necessarily like mm-hmm. automatically a good thing. I made it a yeah. pretty bad example out of uh, Chad Cool. Chad Cool. Chad, cool. Chad, cool, Chad. Yeah, not, not so cool. So Chad Cool has, he was the number four pitcher in terms of, switching his pitch mix last year. Chad Cool was number one in 2021 versus 20. So Chad Cool has been a top five pitch mix changer each of the last two years, and he's still Chad Cool. So it's like I give the guy credit for trying different things. He's mixing things up. He's throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's not It's not sticking. It's not sticking. Love you, Chad, but um, your, your, your signing with the Nationals doesn't uh, bode well either. So yeah, anyway. like I'm saying, I, I just wanted to like bring it up for a second. I figured we wouldn't have a straight answer, but it just stood out to me. I was wondering if you noticed anything when you look, because it was it was a great article to see the different pitch mix changes and kind of brought to life different things. And it pointed it out for that stretch, but also, like you said, emphasize the facts when we see news come out this spring. Like Jason Klett makes a chart every year of new pitches that come out in spring and like has like a sheets available. And so that's just something to keep an eye on before we even get this kind of data to make sense of it. And um it stood out to me that he ditched such a great pitch. Just like he went from from a good pitcher to an elite pitcher by ditching an elite pitch, kind of threw me away, threw me for a curveball yeah, there, and introducing another elite pitch. Like, yeah, it well, is crazy. And like the conclusion I made was like, yeah, McClanahan is a top five pitcher if, especially that first. I mean, if the, basically if the shoulder checks out. Yeah. So. And I guess the last re- thing I, reason I wanted to bring it up is because it's a guy that we're fading. And to see yeah, like he right. and to see he's got that extra pitch if somehow he brings that back to the arsenal, it's like holy. Yep. then again we're kind of fading them for health reasons not so much for the yeah. other reasons so yes. i want to clarify that first too yep. all right that was just a fun little detour here like i always recommend checking out all of hq's work but i like ryan's uh work it's very um i can understand it we put it that way so i'd recommend most people can read it type thing um let's talk adp pockets 250 to 300 here and it's been a, a fun um pro- kind of fun tour seeing all the different positions we get to target throughout these pockets ryan and in recent ones there's always been a handful like the last pocket was kind of spread out pretty even for the most part you could kind of pick your poisons talent wise might have been different but just overall numbers of positions this go round it is bleak there's one shortstop there's a three first baseman um you got second base you got third base it's mainly an outfield and pitcher position it feels like for the most part um, and one thing I'll say, there is a lot of multi-position guys here, a lot of them. So yeah. another thing to look at in this realm. So what stands out to you when you look at the positions on this one? Yeah, that's, um, and again, we'll tweet this out from the podcast account tomorrow, but that's why the numbers by position add up to well more than 50, uh, even though it's 50 picks is because I include all the multi-position guys. You're getting a lot of like your utility, your Haseon Kim Chris Morrell, Rangifo, Nick Gordon, Birdie. Like, there's a lot of those guys who kind of play everywhere. Um, 
as utility men. So, um, yeah, the outfield pitcher thing really stood out to me. Uh, 16 outfielders, no other pocket has more than 14. And that's the first 50 picks. So there's a lot of outfielders going here. And, and like you said, Bubba, a lot of pitchers, really a lot of starting pitchers. This is the pocket that has uh, the second most pitchers outside of 50 to 100. And there are roughly five closers out of the 22 pitchers being taken. Dylan Floro. I should say closers in uh, in in quotes. Dylan Floro, Sir Anthony Kimbrell, Carlos Estevez, and Daniel Hudson are your five closers. So, um, again, once you start to get this late in the draft, like position-wise, I mean, yes, you are filling out, especially in like a 15-team where these are guys that are starting on your squad. Um, but... I don't use like I once we get this late, I don't use these positions to kind of build out what I want to do early in the draft, especially to ADP can fluctuate so much from 250 to 300. Like there's a wide variety at this point. You're just getting your guys. So 100 percent. I've been doing a lot of getting my guys in our draft that we have going on right now because we are getting late in that close to round 30. Oh, really? I can't wait to discuss this on a future podcast then. Um, this is good. That makes me feel a little better because I've been like... Esoc. Esoc oh, really? killed me. E-Sock really? Killed me. I'm a big Paredes fan. I got him in a lot of a lot of my my drafts right now. Um, and if you're curious, Jason Collette likes him too. So just going to throw that one out yeah, there. Yeah, was that pick made? I'm curious. Was that before or after your Collette? It was after, but I already, I've already been picking them before that. I've, I've been in on ESOC uh, for multiple reasons, and uh, we can discuss that uh, at a later later time if you'd like. I can explain why I took them for you. Um, a lot of it's that multi-position eligibility in a format like this, plus the power he brings to the table. So double whammy on that one. But, but to our 250 to 300 discussion here, uh, the outfielders, yes, there are a lot of outfielders. But when you look at the actual outfielders in play, I will just read them real quick. Brian De La Cruz, Michael Conforto, Trey Boo Boo, um, Trey Mancini for those that don't pay attention to me, uh, Christopher Morel, Christopher Morel, uh, Lane Thomas, Jesse Winker, Austin Hayes, Charlie Blackman, Austin Meadows, Nick Gordon, Jorge Soler, Brandon Marsh, Garrett Mitchell, Manny Margot, Chris Taylor, and Jake Fraley. What a lot of them don't have in common is a regular starting job. So I just want to throw that out there. So yes, there are a lot of outfielders here. But in the same context as Ryan said about utility infielders, they're almost like utility outfield, like fourth outfielders. There's a there's a few that stand out as starters here. I'm not going to deny that. Like Lane Thomas is. I consider Manny Margot a starter for the most part if he stays healthy. Um, but there's a bunch. Brandon Marsh, maybe. He should be. We'll see. But there's, there's a, almost all of them have a question mark next to their name if you really want to get creative with it. So it's not like the warm and fuzzy outfield. So the reason I'm long-winded on this and saying this is we've emphasized over and over again, get your outfielders early. This doesn't mean wait because there's 16 outfielders in this round. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. all I'm saying. Don't wait to get here because if you if you need just like one in a five-team, 15, or 15-team, five-outfield, okay, make it your fifth outfielder. If you have to, sure. I'd prefer not to. Make this like your sixth outfielder, seventh outfielder. Be a lot better off in that regard. So I just want to bring that up as well. Yeah, in, in the D.C. we're in, I was filling out my fourth and fifth outfielders from this group, and I got Charlie Blackman um, and Adam Duvall. So, um, yeah, like have serious warts. And, um, I mean, to kind of take it over a little bit more to, like, categories, there's really not much power here at all. But by going by ATC projections, which is what will um, – 
will show on the feed. There's only one guy, Jorge Soler, projected for more than 20 home runs. And again, a lot of that, to your point, Bubba, isn't necessarily like power skill. It's also playing time. Like, yep. will these guys play enough to get 20 homers? Um, so like in Soler's case, you're paying a, a major price for that power with uh, his batting average at no steal. So like you're really starting to get um, low on power. It's funny, the category hitting wise, to me, that still kind of stands out is batting average. Yeah. There are guys that, and maybe it's just like luck of the draw, or this is just where it, where the cookie crumbles or whatever, but you've got like your DJ LeMahieu, your Yandy Diaz, um, Brendan Rogers is projected by ATC to hit almost 280. Manny Margot is, I think, a decent batting average guy. You can get power or you can get batting average from a few sources this late, which again kind of tells me to still kind of, and this has been a big thing for you, Bubba, in your early drafts is to to get that power out early because it, it really it, it it does seem like you can make up a little bit of batting average here as opposed to power, and there's really not much speed um, here at all. I will mention this much, um, and it really stood with me. And I'll be the first, like everyone, I've, I've heard certain content people go, I can't, I don't listen to other podcasts. I don't want to get, you know, information from them, whatever, whatever. I listen to podcasts all the time because I work out of my truck. And I was telling Ryan before the show, I listened to the recent Deadpool or Pull Hitter podcast with Rob DiPietro. And he had a couple of great NFC players, um, Nikolai Newston, Nustin, I apologize. He's in our league, our DC right now. And um, I believe oh, it was it him that made. I believe it was him that made the comment. Is there him or is uh, Eaton that was on the show? And it really stuck with me because it made a ton of sense, especially in this environment of baseball. When he's doing his draft, one of the two, um, he doesn't really even focus on batting average throughout the draft. Like he's he knows in the back of the head if he's like like he's not getting all the guys that are gonna hit 220. He's not foolish in that regard. But he says that's an that's a category that fluctuates so much more than if a guy's hitting for power, you're going to get more categories already. If a guy's stealing bases, he's probably going to score a ton of runs. Like you're getting multiple categories in those regards. Obviously, to steal bases, you need to get on base. That's an obvious thing. But it really, the way he made it sound was so much better than what I'm saying right now. Just the gist of it is he didn't actually even focus on it too much. And maybe it's because stuff like this is where I was going with this is you can get still like batting average still later in the draft where you can't get the power, the run production, all those things as easily as before. So, he doesn't even like, and they were like maybe talking more OCs and stuff like that, fab leagues, where he just really didn't even care about batting average. He's just like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to get the best guys that are going to get me the cat, the counting stats. Cause in theory, if they're getting me counting stats, they should be hitting for a decent enough batting average. It made sense the way he said it. And it really stood with me. Like, if I have to focus on categories when I'm drafting, maybe I shouldn't really focus as much on batting average as I try to, if that makes sense at all. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. It does, and it it's interesting. And so I prepped, um, or I, I looked over. So Ray Murphy, who runs our projections at HQ, is putting something out for subscribers tomorrow that talks about how our projection system is now accounting for the shift. And um, it's funny. One of the tables that he has in there is he looks at the guys who whose batting average is projected to improve the most, the highest. Like that group, that highest group is generally like 15 to 20 points of batting average. So we think that's a lot like go to go from 250 to 270. Mm-hmm. That's 10 hits over a season. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's crazy. like one to two hits per month. Mm-hmm. And I and so I think that kind of I mean, that even dovetails further on what you were talking about, Bubba. It's is, so very it, it can it can absolutely vary uh, quite a bit. Yeah, because like to, to, for the whole season, the way he said ten hits. Yeah, because I, I remember some very smart people have always said like to go from like two thirty to two forty or something like that. It was like two hits a month or like something stupid like that. Just That's like a, a blooper even. here, a blooper there, and all of a sudden now you're hitting two fifty or something. It's just it changes that much. Where I think sometimes we basically pay way too much time on a projection for batting average. You can project counting stats pretty well. Batting average, you're just kind of hoping they stick within their norm, I guess. But that's like kind of fluctuate. It can fluctuate a lot more. So I'm trying to say. So I'm very long winded on those kind of things. But it, it really stood out to me. Maybe think more about what I'm drafting. What am I focusing on? Is it really worth my time to focus on this type of thing? And maybe it's not. Maybe it really isn't. Like to the extent that I probably try to focus on. So I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so the yeah. the just real quick like this. So the the devil's advocate argument and and Steve Weimer put out a piece on the FTN Fantasy Guide about this is um, at least with last year. So we're kind of looking at two different things: 2023 projections versus results for last year. He found that batting average was one of the scarcer um, categories in terms of SGP. Um, you're you're at high elite get average guys early in the draft the and again all these guys have warts you are paying a price if you do get batting average and so the, like this late in the draft so that's like so the guys i mentioned dj lemayhu yandy diaz you're getting like 10 home runs maybe and so if and again this kind of goes for any category but if you're trying to short batting average don't don't overcorrect i think that happens a lot T- take your yandy and take your your DJ and then you've got two guys with 10 home runs and like a couple steals. And then that sets you back elsewhere. So it's again, it's um, it, that that, it's a puzzle. Well, that goes well with what I'm kind of saying, I think is trying not to like, you don't have to get 270 from every guy. Like mm-hmm. let's not go there type thing. Don't forget the other counting stats when you're doing it type thing. So yeah, it's a good piece of the puzzle there. Um, if I may, since I think we have a, a little extra time tonight, not a ton, but a little, you did mention a guy here with bag average and I was in the middle of Target today, and I was on the clock in a draft, and I really started digging in on him. And I think I drafted him. I don't know if it's our draft or the other draft, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Brendan Rodgers because I've seen some whis- like whispers on Twitter about him lately. Like, how does a dude in Coors Field projected to bat six, like six or so in that lineup? 
We look at the projections hitting 277. He's going to be 26 years old this year, still young. Um, walk rate went up, strikeout rate went down last year. You look at like his barrel rate went career best, hard hit rate career best. Max EV was still outstanding. What is it from a guy that we used to have such high hopes for that all of a sudden we're just like, you know what? You're not worth my time. I, I'm confused. I, maybe I'm overthinking it, but when I look at this range and I think of a guy that could potentially take a next step, how is Brendan Rodgers not like more in that conversation compared to other players that are whispered around everywhere, unless I'm totally missing it. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. But like I sat there and I was looking at the guys in this range and I'm like, how is Brendan Rodgers just kind of falling down here? It made no sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, so you're kind of speaking to the choir because I actually took Brendan Rodgers in our DC. I mean, he's yeah, so my I took second my baseman. Draft. It was my other draft. So you, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, like and during your target there. run, yeah, it must have been the other the other league. Yeah. Um, but I, I, for those reasons, like I actually, I didn't feel that bad about it. And again, yeah, like, neither did I. I was like, this feels like a gift. <laughs> right. Right. And and yes, there's the home away splits. Like it, it might, there may be some weeks where he's a tough start. But it's just interesting. It feels like Trevor or Trevor Rod. Oh God, Trevor Rogers. We'll talk about him I'm later. Stuck with you, man. <laughs> That's the yeah. Probably shouldn't have anyone named Rogers or you know, anyone. Teams. Uh, Brendan Rogers. We forget that the dude, like you said, Bob, is just twenty six, yep. and he's a he's a young twenty six, or maybe well, probably is he's an old twenty six. I don't know. Um, he's only played to. Yeah. seasons basically in the majors like brendan rogers was a top i want to say top 10 prospect coming up and just had basically his early part of his career derailed by injury um so this isn't a guy i don't think who is who we think he is and like you just pointed to the the improving strikeout rate the improving barrel rate um all happening at the same time the better walk rate he's not everything chasing we want as to much. see from a young player everything you want to see yep <laughs> and that's the thing i think he's still kind of like a young player like this he, yeah. this will now be his third season and um i think brendan rogers if you're if you're waiting on second base like i did in our dc i think he's 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 I, he's a fine pick and i think he's probably like the last second baseman i feel uh-huh. really strong about yeah, uh, having as your starter <laughs> If, yeah, if, I, if I have to throw any water on our parade here, is you mentioned the home road splits. I did look at those. They're bad, like really bad, like really, really yeah, bad. I mean, um, yeah. they're atrocious. The other thing is, is he doesn't run. But again, when you're going this late in the draft, you're going to have the warts like we talk about. But what if he runs into five or six deals this year instead of one? What if he now still hits 280 and gets you 20 plus homers because he plays 145 or 50 games? Like, I just I just wanted to bring him up real quick because it stood out to me. Like, how is this guy falling down here when he hasn't done anything really wrong? Like, he's just like he's so young and he's improving. I was I was confused. I yeah. thought we're on the same page on that one. It is interesting. He uh, Rogers literally does not run. He has never attempted a stolen base in the major leagues. Yeah. So for a second base, kind of weird. A young that is player. weird. That is very weird. So that could be the bugaboo. I guess we'll have to wait and see there, but. Just wanted to bring him up um, on the pitching side of things. As you mentioned, a couple of potential closers. It's funny, two of the Philadelphia guys are in this realm. One, Sir Anthony's projected for 13 saves and Kimbrell's projected for 14. That kind yeah. of made me laugh a little bit, so pick your poison there. Um, Floro, we've all liked, but we talked about he'll probably get traded, so enjoy the first half that you have of him, potentially. And then Daniel Hudson and Carlos Estevez are guys I actually kind of like in this realm for closers. 
But starting pitching, one of our favorite late round guys is down here, who we will talk about later because he told, took him from me. But um, we have a couple other. There's actually some nice spec starters here. I'll say that much. That's what I noticed when we were filling out our targets for the show and the outline. It was a lot easier for me to pick through the starting pitchers. And um, I listened to your episode with Toby earlier this week as well. And he picked, you know, both of you guys picked um, names in this group that stood out to me. And I was kind of nodding my head throughout. So I think there are a good number of pitcher speculations that you can go on. I think this is a bit more starting pitcher heavy pocket than it is on the hitter side. Yeah, most definitely. So I guess just thinking about our, our previous analysis uh, episodes, it's kind of like, okay, get some elite pitching early, fill in your bats early, and, and then but make sure you fill in all your bats, and then you can start taking your later pitchers now type thing. It's what it kind of feels like the last couple episodes. It's like 200 to 300. like almost, It's almost like 100 to 200. You just take a pitching break, it feels like, and then come back at 200 to 300. And go, that's just, I'm just rough. Obviously, that changes, but it's kind of – the gist of it as it kind yeah, of goes. I, I generally think, and I'm going to map this out. We'll talk about it a little bit more on our, in our episode when, when we live stream the labor draft, but I'm, that's what I'm going to start to do in the, I'm not going to do another draft until labor is kind of map that exact thing out and see where I, where I want to go pitcher versus hitter. And I, it definitely looks like from doing these episodes the last few weeks, I want to have all of almost all of my, hitter spots filled like maybe an extra outfielder utility open at this point um but and then just pound a bunch of these late starters yeah for sure i like the names uh let's talk about some of the stats though in the starting department uh there's actually i feel like if you can get a three five to a four era this late that's not bad that's yep. pretty strong actually so there's actually a handful of them here potentially if you believe on them most of them are relievers i'll say that much most of the relievers but um, a lot of whips below one three. Again, not bad for this range. You're expecting trouble in that regard. Not a ton of strikeouts, though. You're hoping for 150 and not many of those. So what yeah. stands out to you when it comes to uh, the main targets and stats here? Um, you're right. There are, I mean, just projection-wise, like high threes is kind of the the standard for starters. And if you, and I don't know, I take, I take picture projections with the, Pretty big grain of salt, but um, and focused a little more on the actual skills at this point. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good lot of good starters. You're right. The strikeouts are there's no one projected for over 160. Even the guys who I think could take off, like I don't know, there there is like Trevor Rogers projected for 130. He has a potential to go over like 160 if he if he rebounds. But there's a lot of like Merrill Kelly. <laughs> There's Sean Mania, like not a lot of big strikeout guys. And I think that goes, I don't know, again, early in this drafts, those early starters all have, you know, pretty big strikeout upside, but that's why I want to probably try and get to two of those guys early on because strikeouts really do fall off um, at this point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely fall off. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting group of pitcher. A lot of upside, a lot of questions like Hunter Brown's here. How many stars yep. does he actually get? Yep. Like it's um he he's he's an intriguing one in that regard. Does uh, our buddy Jose Barrios bounce back? That's a whole other situation. Yeah, you've got you've got like the bounce back crew. You've got Barrios, you've got Trevor Rogers, you've got I'd put Marcus Stroman. Yeah, that's in the fair. in the bounce back crew, probably Manaya in the bounce mm-hmm. back crew. So there's a lot of 
those guys, there's a lot of like young guys who I'm not that high on that could take a next level, like Ronzi Contreras, Michael mm-hmm. Kopech. Um, there's there's that type. So there's a couple different ways to go. I think it's funny how um, Tyler Anderson is going this late. I was shocked by that. Absolutely but, shocked. Um, not to say yeah. it's wrong. I, it's just coming off of the season that Tyler Anderson had. Yeah, um, it's wild to see the market basically, basically not count it. Um, and again, the market could be right, but uh, that was an interesting one for me. Yeah, very, very interesting on that regard. Let's, let's do some ADP battles if you're ready. Let's 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 have some fun here and let's um, see what we got right and what we got wrong in this regard here. So I guess I have the first one on the board, and I'm going with two uh, second base outfield eligible players here, and Christopher Morell at an ADP of 265. And yes, these aren't like next to each other in ADP, so I'm probably breaking some sort of uh, code, <clears throat> code of conduct here. But Nick Gordon at 285. And I mentioned that because I think we both like Nick Gordon quite a bit. So um, that was interesting to see them 20 picks apart. But we know who Nick Gordon is. We know what he could be uh, even better if he plays enough. And then we kind of got a taste of who Christopher Morell was last year, 16 and 10 in 113 games. I guess PT is the question with him. So I'll let you have the floor first before I give my thoughts on this. I think PT is kind of the question with both of these guys. Like, I'm yeah. not sure Nick Gordon has, I, I think he'll kind of float around and pl- maybe take a game or two off every week, which is a little bit maddening in uh, weekly leagues, at least until someone gets hurt in Minnesota, which again, that will happen. I think, I feel like Morell is a little bit safer on the playing time front. Like I think he'll beat out Patrick wisdom at third base. Um, and in the process of doing that, get second, third, third outfield. outfield. That's where he wins is, right there. Is pretty is pretty nice. Um, but I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna go Nick Gordon. I can't go against my man. I had Nick Gordon in um in the baseball forecaster. I put an upside of 2020 on him. Nick Gordon, huge increase in barrel rate. Uh, the power looked fantastic last season. It's not something you would expect from Nick Gordon, but it was there and it, it looked very real. Nick Gordon only had six steals. He was only six for 10 on the base paths. But with the new stolen base rules, I think he's the guy. He's the type of guy who has the speed and he runs. And so I think the effectiveness is going to increase next season more so than it did last year. I think he's the the prime kind of candidate who's going to run more and be a little bit more successful on the base pass. So um, he's not without his warts. Nick Gordon has a 15% swing strike rate, a chase of 43. Like the plate skills are still pretty iffy. He's pretty bad against left-handed hitter or left-handed pitching. So I don't know how often he hit the, he starts against lefties and he might hit ninth when he does. But I think, the power speed potential with Nick Gordon is too good to pass up. I think the ceiling is a lot higher than it is with Morrell. Yeah, you're probably right there. I'm going to go Morrell still, which sucks because I do like Nick Gordon quite a bit. I actually took Morrell in RTC that we're in. Um, I love the idea mm-hmm. of a, him him potentially gaining the third base. So we have corner, MI, and outfielder. That's almost unicorn-esque when it comes to, to DC formats. Yeah, that's huge that, that, in the DC. That does magical things. But what I also love about him is we saw even in his like 113 games, he had 16 and 10, hit 235. He's not going to be the average guy. I think Gordon's definitely going to get him like a batting average uh, concept. 
But power and speed, I, I think, especially power for sure. I take Morell over Gordon, like a 13.4% barrel rate last year. It was pretty darn impressive for Morell in his first debut. Um, I, I'll take him and the upside that he brings to the table. He's even showcased the power in the minors and more speed, actually, in the minors. So maybe that'll translate uh, to the bigs, too. I like them both, but I'll go Christopher Christopher Morell. The biggest reason I did this one is because I hadn't dug into him too much until like a week ago. And I just wanted to bring him up on the show because I think he needs a little more love if he is going to get third base there as well. Yeah. It's that, so you took, I'm looking at our draft, you took Morell before uh, Brendan Rodgers even. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're, you're, you're a Morell I wanted the, guy. I wanted the flexibility and for yeah. that reason. And that and was, you already had, so this, this is different, you know, who cares about our teams, but just a, a draft, you know, a team construction thing. Like I said, I didn't have a second baseman. So I want someone with a little bit more playing time stability whereas you have thyro estrada already who you could move around as well but and and like esoc and esoc and yeah yeah i don't rub that one in but <laughs> so i have, I have you have options basements yes yes i have options so killed me. what you got um all right for mine we're going uh <laughs> two guys who are are pretty much going yeah they're going three picks apart two different kinds of pitchers you got merrill Car- kelly versus my former boy, Trevor Rogers. You can't, you can't quit him. I don't know if I can. Can I, what do you? What, what's your take on these two, man? <laughs> I'm going before I it. before yeah. I go in before you profess your love for Trevor Rogers again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Merrill Kelly, and it's not a sexy, flashy pick at all. Uh, if you want like the ceiling play, it's definitely going to be Trevor Rogers. I'll say that a million times out of a million. Strikeout upside is tremendous with Trevor Rogers. It's a matter of how broken do you think he is. Where Merrill Kelly, he can eat innings for you. He, when he's eating those innings, he usually has decent ratios. Um, they've been suspect at times. So I'll, I'll admit that. Doesn't have the strikeout ability that Trevor Rogers does, but the ability to go deep in the games give him more leverage for wins as well. If you really want to pinpoint that, but to get a guy that could potentially get you 185 plus innings this late in the draft is pretty tremendous. If he does bring the ratios into play, it makes him even more tremendous. Again. It's Merrill Kelly. We wouldn't be shocked if it's no ratios or good ratios. It, it could go either way with him. He will not get you the strikeouts, though. So if you need strikeouts, you just you go Trevor Rogers. I, I will 100% admit that. At the same time, Merrill Kelly is going to have that job in the rotation all year unless he gets hurt. Where Trevor Rogers, there's a guy named Braxton Garrett sitting there and some other guys. So I'm going Merrill Kelly. That's, yeah, that's a pretty convincing case. I mean, every contextual factor would lean – Merrill Kelly. Also, I mean, just the team like Arizona. Arizona's not great, but Arizona could they could score Surprise. some runs by the end of last year. Um, don't have the best bullpen out there, but like I'd probably take Kelly in the wins department over Trevor Rogers. I just I with Trevor Rogers, I'm going with the ceiling. I I can't somewhere in Trevor Rogers' arm is that 2021 season. Like that was a legitimate breakout supported by the skills and the interesting thing that we saw with trevor rogers far after i cut him on all of my teams was the way he looked after he had i think a phantom back injury or whatever they called it basically went down to the minors to reset everything in the middle of the season last year trevor rogers came back and regained his control in the second half regained the ground ball tilt in the second half um 331 expected ERA from HQ for Trevor Rogers in the second half to a 531 ERA. I just think Trevor Rogers 
who was going in the sixth round by yours truly last year. Um, I think there's something there. I think, I think it's still there. He's young enough to get back to that. And that's why I'm just, I'm, I'm going with the ceiling knowing that Kelly is the safer play. Yeah, no, it's, it's a ceiling versus safe play for sure. Um, mine, I think we both know where we're both going on this one, but I had to bring it up and it works well with the comments you made earlier is how's Tyler Anderson going right here. So uh, Tyler Anderson, ADP 283 versus Carlos Carrasco at 285. I'll let you have the floor on this one. Uh, Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco. And, and again, so I looked it up since I made that comment about Tyler Anderson. Mm-hmm. I, maybe this should be a bloom board. I cannot figure out how. Yeah. How I got. Yeah. 257 ERA <laughs> and a one flat whip has an ADP of 275. I'd be curious to see how many pitchers over the last 10 years, starting pitchers that has actually happened to. Um, I will look that up probably right after this show and tweet that out. Cause I, I cannot think there are that many. Um, so given that Tyler Anderson is right. So there are reasons for Tyler Anderson dropping. Obviously the skills did not support, that 257 surface ERA. He was on the LA pitching machine that we all know is the Dodgers. That is now gone. He's on the Angels who haven't produced a legitimate starting pitcher outside of Shohei Itani in quite some time. I know, and we, we had a great episode with uh, Dan Prepis, if I'm pronouncing yes. that right. Um, there is some promise in the Angels rotation. I don't think Anderson is one of those. So uh, Carrasco for me, like Carrasco, I have, I, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why Carlos Carrasco is going. um, Yeah. This late. Crazy. It's uh, it's Carrasco pretty easily for me. Like Carrasco has uh, basically every skill looks uh, like he should be going about a hundred picks earlier. Yeah, what I'll say is Carrasco easy for me and people that listen to either one of us long enough should have known that ahead of time, but it was fun because of the aforementioned, the previously mentioned stats of Tyler Anderson that Ryan mentioned that like stand out like, huh, that's odd. Because with Carrasco, it's like he's consistently brought you good ratios outside of like hiccups in 19 and 21 where he's kind of like banged up a little bit. When he's yeah. been healthy, he's literally giving you sub four ERAs all the time um 152 innings he's probably not the 200 inning guy again where we saw back-to-back seasons where anderson went 167 178 so maybe that's a little plus wouldn't do it for me but at this point in the draft i'm not caring as much like i like merrill kelly kelly's innings but when you're looking at anderson versus Carrasco, a little different carrasco's got more strikeout upside uh there you've mentioned the two pitches are just dominant with Carrasco. uh there's just a ton of things when it comes to these two guys that I only did this one because I knew our answers would be easy, but I just wanted to point out how much Carrasco stands out in this range compared to other guys around him. And it just, it feels very strange for sure. So that was the whole reason behind this one. Just real quick on Carrasco too. So three of the main things that I look at for uh, pitchers are, are strikeout minus walk, which is huge swinging strike rate. And I look at ball percentage, uh, ball percentage, which is just how many percentage of pitches that are balls. There were 17 pitchers, starting pitchers last season, hundred innings minimum that did all three of those at an above average rate, 17. Um, All but five are going in the first, or all but six are going in the first 10 rounds. You've got Jeffrey Springs at 162 ADP. Our boy, Jomo, Jordan Montgomery, 163. Mm -hmm. Drew Rasmussen, Tony Gonsolin, my man, Nate Evaldi, Sean Manaya, 
and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Manaya and Carrasco are the only ones going outside the top 250 who are above average in all three of those. Strikeout minus walk, swinging strike, and ball percentage. And that just kind of backs up. Like These are the foundational pitching skills that I like to look at. And he checks all those boxes. So. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And the ADP baffles me. It's baffled me all offseason. Uh, who's your final ADP debate? Uh, who we got? Oh, Jesse Winker, Austin one. Hayes. I thought I thought this was interesting because they have pretty much identical ATC projections, identical ADP. They're both going 270, both projected to hit 250 with like 18 home runs. And we mentioned earlier how no one's projected over 20. And the only one, other than Jorge Soler, who's a major batting average drain, the thing with Winker and Austin Hayes is they're not a batting average drain. And they, I think there's even upside in those 18 home runs. So I think if you want that kind of more like traditional three category guy, um, these are two guys who you're going to pick between. And I think and this is how I'll kind of frame the question to you is, is who do you want? You've got Winker who has shown more in the past coming off a really terrible season versus an Austin Hayes has kind of been a more of like a steady Eddie type. So. Yeah, this one's tricky. Like um, I kind of want to lean Winker at this point in the draft. Like we talk about taking our shots and it makes me want to go with the Winker world because if you look at last year's numbers, like he still walked 15% of the time, which was great. The strikeout rate was up a little bit, but the Babbitt was 251, by far the worst of his career. So even a little bump there, average will come back up to maybe 240-ish, hopefully. And maybe that gives him three or four more home runs along the way because he's in a much better ballpark. Um, when I had uh, Fish, John Fish, doing the, the Brewers preview, he was talking about there was some video – on Twitter showing all of the fly balls that went to like the warning tracker within like 15 feet of the wall in Seattle. In that Seattle, hit. Yeah. Um, it, it stood out like a sore thumb and we've established through different interviews this past year that Winker had a little bit of an emotional situation in Seattle. Uh, I don't know if it was mentally or just with the team or both or who knows, maybe that was wearing on him. I don't know. I'm just speculating because the fall that he no, had, that was, that was well, a, yeah, that was well yeah, documented without yeah. like a major injury report. Like he had his banged up, but nothing like so crazy that had his barrel rate drop like 5%, his hard hit rate dropped so much, like just massive drop offs for not a clear injury. I'm willing to foresee kind of a bounce back in that scenario, especially hitting in Milwaukee. We'll see. Austin Hayes with that with that fence in left field is always terrifying for any hitter. He'll run a little more than Winker, but there's also a handful, and it's same for Milwaukee if you want to be real stingy. But in Baltimore, there's a handful of young outfielders that are chomping at the bit to platoon with Austin Hayes, so that is a little bit of a concern. And you know, Winker is supposed to be DHing, so the outfielders there might not be as big of an issue. Um, still could be some platooning. All that being said, I'm going to give Winker the chance and of a bounce back between these two guys. I'm not all in on Winker in general in drafts, but in this scenario, I go Winker. Yeah, the the park, like you said, the park was terrible last year. The situation, for whatever reason, um, was that Jesse Winker. So I'm going to list his barrel rate each of the last three seasons. Yeah, that's crazy. Thirteen point five percent. Yeah, and then in the twenty in the short season. 11% and then 7.6% last year. You think like that's a decline. Technically it is. Jesse Winker's much, much more likely to rebound to what he we saw in 2020 and 21, especially in that park. And the other interesting thing is despite all the struggles for Winker last year, he did not press 
at all at the plate. Posted a career best chase rate, only chased 22% of the time, which is like, which is pretty elite. 8% swinging strike. Like he does, he, 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 the plate discipline was intact despite the struggles, which um, I think is a really good sign. And so you get him in a new environment, better park. I think Winker um, pretty easily is the guy over Hayes who, um, yeah, just hasn't shown pretty much anywhere near the power that Winker has. And again, roughly same batting average guy. So it's Winker pretty easy for me. Yep, yep. We're on the same page there. Let's talk targets. We've already talked about a handful of these guys to begin with, but your first target here, my friend, is a very good one, of course. Yep, it's Nick Gordon. Um, again, got to stick to my man. So uh, already, already, already listed out the reasons before, so I won't rehash those. But um, Nick Gordon is my guy. Yeah, for me, my first one is Justin Steele. I talked about him a million times, so many times that um, people that I draft with now make it almost impossible for me, me to roster Justin Steele. So I love you all for that. Um, I don't have very many shares this year, unfortunately. Uh, the biggest argument people will give is a two-pitch guy. Well, those two pitches were pretty darn dominant. I'll throw that one out there for you. And we've seen that pitchers these days can work off of two pitches pretty well. Like, you know, no one complains about Spencer Strider doing it, but they're going to complain about Justin Steele doing it. You pick your poison, people. Like, you, you got you to pick your poison. You either can do it or you can't. You can't pick which. Like, I know Steele is not Strider. I'm not stupid. But Oh, no, um, you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clip it. Put it out there. Let him have it. Uh, the the biggest thing I'd say is the walks with um, with Steele. He had almost a twenty nine percent strikeout rate uh, since June 29th. We became a staple in the rotation, but uh, over his last ten starts, basically, but almost a ten percent walk rate also. So that's less than ideal. But you look at him; he limits the hard contact. He limits the damage in that regard. Keeps the ball in the ballpark. Only three home runs. Um, he has sixty five Ks in fifty four innings. That is ridiculous. One four nine ERA. Even a three eleven xFIP. I know, so he's outperforming in a big way. I'll still take it. Um, I just love what he can bring. He's young. He's developing. He got he got better as he changed the pitch mix as the season went on, uh, and then they kind of slowed him down to temper his innings to get him ready for this season. So it was like a it was like the Cubs were like we want you to be a part of this next year. Let's not risk anything. Let's do it. So he's he's a guy I love. But again, thank all you listeners for uh, paying attention to the shows because I don't have very many shares at all. <laughs> Take them all from you. Um, yeah, he was in my speculator. Steele was in my yes, speculator was. article uh, this week because of that pitch mix change. And again, not just the change, but the change the with production of the pitches. Yeah, exactly in the second half. So yeah, they're beautiful. I like you it. Subscribe to HQ. You can see the percentages Brian's talking about, and then you'll understand why I like him so much. Yes. Um. All right, uh, Manny Margot. I think if you're going outfield here, I think Manny Margot is like a I say modest five category guy who's going to play every day and I, or at least most days. And then you and Jason were talking about that on your, on your raise episode. But I just, I, I, I think, you know, the projection of 260, 10 homers, 15 steals, like feels about right. And that just comes out to a, a really good player over, you know, for where Manny Margot is, is being drafted. And again, not too worried about the platoon situation. Maybe he hits lower in the order against righties in Tampa. But, um, and again, and there's not much. So like, I mean, there, again, everyone has warts here. There's not much, like I'll admit, there's not much power ceiling with Manny Margot. Like the barrel rate has not been there uh, throughout his career. So I don't think you're getting much more than like 10, 15, um, but you're also getting those 10, 15 bags with a decent average. So that works for me. Yeah. I, I like Margot a ton. I've drafted him in many places and in, in my DC formats. 
Um, I think if he plays 140 games, which is an if, because we haven't seen it enough, but he's a 15-15 guy, which is tremendous at this point in the draft. So I'm with you on that big time. Uh, my next one, and I wanted to be different here because Ryan took the best three anyways, but um, I, I wanted to uh, to kind of bring to light some stuff on Johan Moncada. I talked with Jorge Montanez um, that I, I work with at Gaining the Edge in our, our text message we have. He brought up some very good points to at least like at least acknowledge that the price might not be fair for Moncada. Um, similar to Brennan Rogers, like we discussed uh, with Moncada, he is going to be 28 this year, so a little older. But if you look at what's taken place since that COVID year where we knew we had bad COVID in 2020, 2021 still 14 homers, three steals, so he didn't run a lot. And then 12 homers, two steals last year, hit 212. Babbitt 265, which was atrocious. We know that for a fact. But um, things that looked good. Each of the last three years since COVID, his barrel rate has improved from 6.2 to 8.2 to 9.8. His max EV was still 111.5, which is very, very respectable. The hard hit rate went up from 2020 to 2021, when dropped a little bit last year. Not ideal. But what I'm trying to point out is he's not far off from the player we used to love. Um, so I guess if anybody can tweak a little more and if he can stay healthy – it could be a gift here. Is it a main play? No, but I think if you're looking for late third basements or a backup third baseman at a DC, I think he's a very strong backup option because if he just finds that just a little next level, not even the next level, just a little bit, gets closer to that guy, we get you 15 to 20 home runs and maybe steal you five, six bases, he, you're going to be very happy with that. And I think that's in that guy somewhere. He's only 28, like I said. So I wouldn't get – basically what, the whole point is don't give up on Moncada just yet. That's my point. Yeah. Um, we saw what he was capable of doing. I'm always a little skeptical, like when your career year is 2019, just because I was happy, happy uh, fun ball yeah. year. That's good point. Good point. But yeah, I get. It. I mean, you almost have to throw out last season with Moncada. It was weird. He was healthy, well, outside of COVID, um, injury wise, 2020 and 2021, and then last year had oblique and I think yeah. strained like both of his hamstrings. Yeah, he was a mess last year. Pretty brutal. All the White Sox were like whoever's yeah. Like, Whoever the I, yeah. athletic trainer is there or something should be fired with Larusa. Like all of you gone. Or maybe was. Um, yeah. That's that's a risk. Like Mike Carter, if you're listening, um, that that lineup's hanging hanging by a thread. Tim Anderson, Lubov, Mankata, Eloy. Like you know, they're all one soft ugh. tissue injury away from, <laughs> from either being it, like a really good lineup or or yeah. not. So yeah. interesting. Okay, preach about Carlos Carrasco. I already did. Um, <laughs> I'll throw. I'll. I will add. Uh, well, and Toby talked about Manaya earlier this week, but I will. I will go with Sean Manaya as a backup target here. I know Bubba. Like as a Giants fan, you might like to hear that. I don't know how sold you are on Manaya, but um again those three core skills that i'm looking at strikeout minus walk swing strike and ball percentage Manaya checks those boxes he's going to san francisco which is always a good thing and the price is fantastic so i'm i'm happy to uh to grab Manaya this late in drafts yeah i've been going back and forth on him because i've always just been let's stack against Manaya and DFS. Trying to convince you, man. We're trying to convince you. Trust me, hearing you, Toby, and a couple other really people I respect in the analysis game, like it's 
the numbers don't lie like what you guys are talking about, but it's just like you watch this guy pitch, and it seems like when the oh. time you tune in, it just gets <laughs> disgusting quick. So, um, but at this point in the draft, I don't hate it. That's the thing. Like you're not paying a premium for him. It's a it, he he'd be a guy, honestly, not even just a DC format. He'd be like a dude in an OC. I wouldn't mind taking after around like 25, just because if it doesn't work, he's an easy drop. But he could be that guy that kind of moves up by the time the season's over and finishes better than like a round 25 player, if that makes sense. So he, he's, he's an interesting one. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. He's an interesting one. Not in love with it, but interesting. And we talked about uh, my, my past with Trevor Rogers in labor last year. I was, I had three closers. It was good in saves trade deadline hits. I need starting pitching badly. I trade. Henley Jansen for Sean Manaya. <laughs> Sean Manaya throws like a six ERA. So I lose Jansen. And I also had Josh Hader on my team. And that was the exact same time when Josh Hader did his Josh Hader things. And so I then had one closer and Sean Manaya. And that was depressing. Oof. That is fantasy baseball in the nutshell, folks. Um, my third target here would be Zach Eflin. Similar, it's almost like similar to the Manaya thing, honestly. Like the stuff you mentioned with him, it's it's a veteran going to a new place where they really know how to work pitching. Great ballpark period to pitch in but the pitch mix that he can bring to the table there the ability to hopefully get you 140 150 innings um and hopefully what they can develop the way they like to utilize their you know fastball off-speed pitch mixes in tampa bay could be a, a nice thing for for f and you're getting them dirt cheap and they gave him the biggest salary in race history take that as you wish yeah. so um they want him there and they want to utilize him as much as possible because you do have question marks with McClanahan. You have Springs and Rasmussen, but how many innings are they going to go? Like they're expecting Eflin to be that horse for like, he's their Charlie Morton, like go, go, just go. And um, I'm really curious to see how that pans out for him. And the last thing I'll mention is he's still only 29. He's not an old pitcher. He feels like he's been around forever, but he's young. So there might be another, like not, not no way a Cy Young level to him, but at least a very respectable, late starter on your fantasy team. So he, he he stands out for me as well. That's why this range, like there's a bunch of pitchers you can see being very serviceable in this range. The interesting thing with Eflin and not just, not just the kind of blindly he's on the race must be great signing, which there's a lot of validity to that is like one of my questions with Eflin at the end of the year, he was hurt. I mean, yeah. he had that knee injury and, and was basically pitching out of the bullpen and, to your point, but before Tampa Bay to, despite that, put the kind of coin that they put out for Eflin, like that, that shows me that Tampa is at least confident in Zach Eflin's health. So I think from a health standpoint, like we have to trust Tampa's staff and like he, he cleared all those hurdles and I I would think Eflin's knee is probably fine. So I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Let's uh, talk about a fade for each of us here. Mine will be simple. I'll keep it short and sweet. Michael Kopech, I've been loud saying I'm fading him until he can prove otherwise. Velocity was down a ton last year. Strikeout rate down a ton last year. Just looks broken right now. He's still young. It can be fixed. I get it. I'm not denying any of that, but he's 100% a prove-it-to-me guy because he has not shown me any signs of making it happen where some other guys we talked about have shown signs of making it potentially happen. Uh, Kopech has not, so I am out until otherwise told. I've got Garrett Whitlock because I want to use him as, as an example <laughs> of using um, of just you know guys who have split time as a starter and reliever. 
they can be two different pitchers out of the rotation in the bullpen. Garrett Whitlock, I think, is a prime example. Projection systems may or may not pick this up depending on which system you're using. Garrett Whitlock as a starter last year, 18% K-minus walk, 26% K-minus walk as a reliever. Um, Garrett Whitlock as a starter last year, your your ERA estimators are around a 3-6 ERA, which is, a, which is you know, decent um as a reliever Garrett Whitlock's ERA indicators both FIP and XFIP were under three so don't if if Garrett Whitlock is in the rotation do not assume that reliever skills version of Garrett Whitlock will translate to the rotation I think that's a big um kind of thing that gets overlooked a lot and there's not really a path for Garrett Whitlock for saves with the signing of Jansen if he does go to the rotation again, he's not as skilled as what we saw last year. And he hasn't thrown, I believe he hasn't thrown 90 professional innings in a season yet. So, um, so so it's just like, I think like Matt Brash is another example of this. Someone who was terrible in the rotation last year, came back in the second half as a reliever and was lights out, kind of leaned into his slider and was, and was nuts. Um, just kind of be careful with those kind of hybrid guys, or at least guys that switched roles from rotation to starter last year. When you're uh, looking at the looking at the season long skills, it's a great point. Whitlock's been nasty, but it only works in certain spots. So I like that one quite a bit. All right, we've got a couple listener questions, and then we'll head on out of here on this one. Um, Little Book of Calm. He asks the Bat X seems to love Moncada this year. Oh, I didn't even realize he did this. His projected line of 241, 18 homers, three steals, 120 runs in RBIs, and 555 plate appearances. Project him as an $8 player and third base 16. He's being drafted as third base 26. Throwing that he's 27, dealt with long COVID, and it already has a 25-10 season. Are you guys interested? Well, yes, I am, little book of calm. You basically echoed everything I was thinking of looking for potential value. So, yes, yes, I am. You are a smart man. The words out of, or took, yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, words out of his mouth. Yeah, that's like perfect right there. Before the show. Even, yeah, I didn't even realize it. I just take pictures and save them for later. I don't even read the questions. So there you go. Winner, <laughs> winner, winner, winner. Um, our other questions from buddy MSS, MMS79. There are a few interesting catchers in this range. Who do you like and who yeah. do you kick out of this group? Okay, catchers we are discussing in this range. Logan O'Hop, uh, Yasmani Grandal. Eric Haas. This is actually an interesting group of captors, I'll be honest. Um, I'll let you have the floor first, and then I will follow up on this one. And so there is a there is a fourth. Um, Shay Langoliers is technically oh, util, yeah, you're util. Right. He'll, he'll get it. Yeah, he'll get it very. And I I've taken Langoliers, I think, in a couple drafts as my second catcher. Maybe even third sometimes. He's their starter. He's, dropping. he's yeah, their he's starter. Sure. So he's a starter yeah. in Oakland, and he will get catcher eligibility probably by the third week of the season. So that is kind of a little tip. Like if your draft software at NFPC, he shows up as UT only. Um, that's going to change, and Langliers will be a catcher. So that's interesting. Um, of that group, I I actually had this decision to make in our current DC. Um, I took Yasmani Grandal over Eric Haas as my second catcher. Uh, didn't want to wait that long, to be honest. I took Rumuto in the second round and then waited that long to get my second catcher. But I'm just banking on the rebound with Grandal. Like, I just can't, at this price, I can't be convinced that all of a sudden he's just done like that yeah. quickly. 
Um, you've got a pretty good, a pretty long track record of Grandall being being a pretty pretty damn good fantasy catcher on a lineup that again we just talked about him. But if Chicago stays healthy, it could work out really well. Um, DH is a little bit as well, so um, Grandall would be my pick. I will say like there's a, a good case to be made for Ohapi as well, just because of the 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 the, the pedigree. Um, so, but I think I think Grandall is the pick here in catchers. It's it's not a bad pocket to fill out your second catcher. It's not for your second catcher. If this is your first catcher, I pray for you. That's all I'm gonna say. Second catcher, yes. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the Grandall thing because I was actually having a discussion off air with someone earlier today about similar to what you said. It's like I know it was really bad last year, but is this drop in ADP for the talent that we've seen from him recently this justified? Like. I know he could – maybe he is broken and this is who he is now and then we, we'll, we'll feel the wrath, but it was one horrific season after a lot of really good seasons. Like like there's – it's tough to give up on it that quick, so I completely agree with you that I'm, I've been coming – and this is why I do a lot of early drafts, what we all do. Like you start seeing these things stand out more and more. It makes you kind of want to dig in on them more before the hardcore drafts begin. Like do I – is this worth something? So I'm with mm-hmm. you on the Grandall thing 100%. Early in draft season, I was all in on Eric Cost. The more I've researched, the more I've talked to people, the more I've listened to people, I've kind of toned it back a little bit on him. Don't mind him as like a catcher three if you need him, but I'm not as in love as going to battle with him every time out. And then I like your Langoliers thing. I agree with that. Ohapi is – it's Ohop, Ohapi. I don't know what it is. but I think it's um, It is Hoppy. Okay, he's like a good beer. Um, so yes. the thing with me is I love the talent. I think I've talked about him on this show or other shows doing catcher stuff i have many shares of him already i've toned it back a tad ever since talking with daniel preface on the angels podcast uh, because he mentioned a lot of things from the beat writers and stuff he's been hearing is that the angels do like him a lot but they still like stassi a lot nevin likes stassi a lot hmm. and there's a good chance that Ohapi still starts the year in triple a until they're ready to give him the full role they don't want him necessarily to be the backup type situation so in draft and holds, I like him as a third catcher still because he's going to get run eventually. And if the skills keep translating, it'll be great. Question is, when does that happen? Is it opening day? Is it June? Is it August? That's the question with a hoppy. So I've kind of toned back my expectations there. So I just wanted to kind of mention that about him that um, I think the town is legit. If I knew he was starting out the gate, I'd probably go a hoppy right there. because I think he is that good. He also probably wouldn't be getting drafted right here either. So that's my two cents on that. So, yeah, I'm with you on Grandall. I think that's where we stand on that one. All right, Ryan, another episode in the books of Bubba and the Bloom. Final thoughts as we are through 300 picks of analysis. Like, that's like our fourth pocket of ADB. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not going to say it's a struggle, but you got you to gotta dig to, 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 find, to find the beauty in a lot of these especially hitters especially hitters so um but it's a it's a dig worth digging because i kind of say this every week but these are the picks that that make you the money uh, in the draft so well i think we'll do one more kind of like 300 plus next thursday mm-hmm. but until then we will see each other super bowl night mm-hmm. and you guys can see us too don't don't yep. don't worry and a special guest will be joining us. And we'll tweet that out on Sunday. We'll keep it a little little suspense till Sunday. And we're going to be doing something fun, interactive, to kick off the official start. Not for us, because baseball season never ends for us. 
But for all the others out there that believe in football being a dominant sport, baseball officially ends when the clock strikes midnight on the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So we will be yep. here for you to kick things off. And it's going to be glorious. It's going to be an electric factory. I do not doubt that one second when you find out our guest. And um, let's just say we might not be the underdogs in this situation. So I'm just going to throw it out there. It'll be a lot of fun. But uh, until then, until Sunday, you can find Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and I am at BD Intric. This is Bubba and the Bloom, episode 40. Catch you guys next time. up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.